you're not alone. Every entrepreneur feels really lonely in their journey. I never imagined myself reaching this far. Our vision is to change 1 million lives, give them clean water access in the next 10 years. I didn't have a way of thinking, well, this is not going to work, I'm going to go back because I had a one-way ticket. I had to make it work. And they go, we can't give you a job in anything because you're a migrant. 36% of Australian startups are run by migrapreneurs. There's greatness in every single one of us to want to do more, to do better. The greatness is because of the people you want to make a difference for. From Catalyzer, this is Micropreneur Stories, a show about migrant entrepreneurs who have found success in Australia and the stories behind the startups they built. Hi, my name's Viv and this is Brendan. We're here from Catalyzer presenting Micropreneur Stories. Today we're here with Syed. How are you going, Syed? I'm going well, good. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, that's a pleasure to have you. Uh, just by way of introduction, I'll give you a brief embarrassing introduction. Syed is an engineer, climate change enthusiast, social entrepreneur, and low carbon solutions professional. His social enterprise, Water Democracy, focuses on developing and distributing low cost, user-focused water purification solutions in water poverty-stricken areas. Mm -hmm. That's quite the introduction, Syed. How about right. you tell us a bit more about yourself and how you managed to get into Water Democracy? Yeah, so how I got into water democracy was that uh, I made it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm the co-founder, and uh, how it all started was uh, so we we still uh, we're still in the development phase of the technologies, and uh, how it all started pretty much was that uh, I'm I'm from Karachi originally, Pakistan. So we uh, we pretty much had water issues all our lives. And um, and now, like as uh, as I've grown up, uh, my parents, um, you know, they they climbed the social or the economic ladder, whatever the right term is, and uh, and now we can you know afford a lot of things except for uh, except that yeah even now like we have to purchase water tankers and stuff so so you know that didn't really go resonate very well with me so, i mean i remember seeing your first pitch for water democracy mm -hmm. and then you've gone through the catalyzer accelerator i mean you've done sessions with the mentors and mm -hmm. i mean your pitch was 100 percent different mm -hmm. you know very clear and structured and mm -hmm. you can definitely see i mean what what other I guess lessons have you learned from Catalyzer around the the nitty gritties around startups? Hmm. So so one lesson that I've just that uh, about I'll come back to the pitches because uh, the thing that uh, that happened with me in those pitches was I was coming uh, from a sales background, right. so direct uh, people to people sort of sales. So I was uh, I was very very confident about my pitching when I with that those pitches that you saw that was me when I started off I was very confident about them and as soon as I uh, I delivered them I knew that that you know okay you you blew man they did this did not work out well and uh, and then I received the feedback from the judges so one thing that um, no matter how one lesson that I take from my experience at Catalyzer that he had. Uh, bouncing off ideas, just going to those people who have been there, who have done those things, going to them, um, talking to them, and uh, and just just if nothing, just bounce it off of them. Um, that can help you heaps. And uh, um, the mentors at Catalyzer were very very much available for us as uh, early stage entrepreneurs to do that, and uh, and that really helped 
shaped uh, shaped uh, me in in having that sort of uh, that sort of character in my pictures and everything that that you know I could go ahead and and pitch on a lot of other big stages including young social pioneers uh, that pitch practice ended up getting me $10,000 later on so so you know that mm. really helped <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean looking at people who might be thinking about applying yeah. to catalyze a program did you have any reservations before you Hmm. Ap- applied to join the cohort and do you, I mean, do you have any reflections having been through the program yeah. to people who were maybe looking at joining? Mm. Oh yeah, I, d- I did have some reservations because I had never, uh, because I'd uh, already invested uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of time and money on education and, um, and my biggest uh, reservation that I think a lot of other micropreneurs will have probably is that okay so i've come to this country and i've uh, i'm already 100k or up or like 70k or up whatever degree you're doing here uh in terms of my investment and already spent this amount of time to build up my skills from the institutions over here and uh and after that when you you think of like more education at the end of the day it is uh, investing in your skills um it no it it can really make you think a lot um, and I did think a lot about that, and uh, but uh, before going, I did think a lot about it. And uh, but the thing was that uh, that Catalyzer made the conditions that were sort of uh, sort of win-win. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, when uh, when you got in and uh, and when you saw the people who were there, yeah, you talked to the the mentors over there. Um, one thing that you'll find uh, that I found very early on was that you know everybody was very sincere and everybody wants you to succeed over there and uh, and that really helps change your mind when you when you talk to real people in that way because uh, as i said you know i was in sales and stuff so i i, I had talked to people a lot mm-hmm. and i could sense a bit bit of different things when i was talking to people and so so that really helped me a lot uh, when i when i talked to the mentors um, very senior people um, who would who would you know sit down and listen to your idea and give you honest constructive criti- uh, feedback in 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 terms of what you can do to improve and what you do already doing well. Um, those things were were very very helpful to me. It seemed it seemed to me like that yeah like this I can invest a few more months on my on my skills and uh, education in that way, and it might take me a long way. So, I mean, obviously you got a lot of value from the mentors at Catalyzer. Um, I mean, with such a big vision and mm. obviously a product. I mean, what what can you tell us about your lessons from team building and, you know, building the team for water democracy? Mm. I mean, it's such a long process mm. and a big mission. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of stories and lessons can you tell us about team building? Yeah, so in team building, uh, so I started off as, um, I started off alone. Um, and then, uh, then one uh, so after that, one more person joined and knows joined and he's my co-founder, and uh, and then um, then I've got the, another the third person is is about to join in. Just don't want to announce his name yet, mm-hmm. you no, know, because you know mm-hmm. we're still talking about some stuff. Hot off the presses, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, also people have been in and out as volunteers or um, and those sort of capacities. There have been a lot of people helping me out. So team building. Uh, one thing that I found because in Catalyzer we we were I worked with a lot of other startups as well, and you uh, know and I was uh, I was always interacting with them and asking questions because uh, some some of the other ones uh, they would have a bigger team but they wouldn't be doing as well uh, as uh, as me 
flying solo because they would have their team issues. So in Catalyzer, what I learned uh, from uh, from like when you see like there are five other startups and you've got a big sample size to to compare yourself to and to ask from that you know that okay so you guys have a big team how did you guys end up finding each other out right. um, how to how to find co-founders and how to how to you know separate the the sort of good ones from the bad ones those sort of things um, yeah, so so in Catalyzer we had a few sessions on it as well right. uh, when I was there one to one sessions and uh, and also like I just interact a lot with the cohort basically being with being in a cohort really helps in that way instead of just going going at it alone uh, as one startup yeah and I guess speaking of that cohort, do you still keep in touch with many of the other startups and the mentors? Yeah, yeah. So some of the mentors, uh, maybe not all, uh, but uh, but yeah, I do. And uh, same goes for the cohort as well. Um, I do, I do keep in touch with a few, you know. Uh, and and of course, because like uh, one thing is that they always keep on achieving and they're posting on some about one achievement or the other. So you know, just. I just congratulate them every now and then. Just hit them up. So it, it's it's hard to miss when your mates are in the news. <laughs> so so yeah. So so they're just uh, whenever you see something like that, you know, I hit them up and you know, how are you guys doing? And uh, and uh, like for example, Miralisto is is uh, is one of them. You know, Zoe and um, uh, and her team are are doing pretty amazing work. So keep in touch with her every now and then. And uh, and you know. Those sort of things that uh, there are a few others as well, but yeah, it's uh, it's always good to be in a cohort in that way because then you can always check up on each other, how your journey is going, and everything mm. like that. Yeah, wow. I mean, taking a slightly different tack on water democracy. I mean, I, I, one of the things after reading your profile that I noticed is that I kind of became a bit more cognizant of how we as Australians have a relationship with water. Like clean yeah. water is a, is a privilege that we yeah. that a lot of people take for a ride. I mean, through mm. your time at Water Democracy, have you had to change attitudes about or educate people about how, mm. how, this, how the water situation generally is or how we view our relationship with clean water? Oh, yep, yep. I like uh, during pretty uh, a lot of my pitches, I start them off with something on the lines of, uh, of you know, um, if 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 like we are ten people in this room, uh, one person has a has a muddy glass of water, and nine other people have um, have you know nice fresh glass of water. What would you, as the nine other people, do? So so I try to give them that that picture, okay. and that's our actual world situation right now because the it's pretty much ten percent of the population. And that doesn't have access to any sort of clean water, and the rest of the ninety percent is drinking clean water. So we're literally in that in that way right now. So I have to I have to you know give the audience a bit of picture of of how things are in reality in that way. Um, but that being said, um, something that I would like to bring up is um, that now it's it's only in uh, in in like. In many regions of Australia, yes, we we do have uh, clean water as as we can. We do have the luxury of taking it for granted. Um, but I've just come back from Walgate last week, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Walgate, Broken Hill, all of those areas, Menindee areas, um, we've but that uh, that uh, we've we've installed a solar steel pilot over there. 
because because those regions they're facing severe water shortages they're on uh, level five and level six restrictions right now mm-hmm. and uh, and the people like if you, in our taps we're getting nice uh, nice clean water uh, over there um, the, the water that they're getting is uh, is not as good as some as, as what we are getting so first there are the restrictions in terms of the quantity you can use and then there are further qualitative issues that the water doesn't taste the same as it used to before and uh, and yeah it's uh, on on behalf of them like I'd, I'd like to just we and we are also running a page called Walgate water crisis um, uh, you can uh, uh, I'd appreciate if whoever sees this do do like that page mm-hmm. uh, because uh, because this water crisis is um, is uh, getting out of hand into in many different terms uh, and and now the issues are reaching Australia mm-hmm. and uh, that's why now we're developing a solar still that is targeted to Australia we're working on our newer designs uh, earlier earlier ones we designed them uh, with the with the developing countries in mind. Now the the next designs that we that we'll be announcing soon, they are designed for Australia um, and uh, for rural Australia, um, on in places like Walgett and and um, many regions where we are facing all of these problems, um, so that people over there can can desalinate and and use their own water. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's quite an impactful story. <laughs> I mean, in terms of the examples that you use, in terms of the nine fresh glasses and the one light yeah. glasses, do you find that that's enough in terms of impact generation? Mm, good question. Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Okay. Um, sometimes it's uh, you know, um, some crowds would be a bit more responsive to that sort of example. Um, some crowds might have her might have you know heard uh, a water story here and there every now and then sort of thing um, so so you know they they might not be as responsive to it and and a lot of uh, because like we get so much information now every day um, there's always also a factor of us being just indifferent to a lot of things mm. um, not picking on any anyone's in specific it's just you know generally how sometimes we can get including me that you know if, uh, if like I'm, I'm getting 10 different appeals every day then I, I, then people people start being indifferent at times um, but other than that generally I'd say yeah, yeah these sort of examples suffice but you always got to target whatever you're saying to your audience uh, always tailor it um, sometimes I use my personal examples of how how you know I when when I was a kid, I used to uh, I used to you know uh, climb up the water tankers. My, a lot of my cousins would still be doing it. Uh, that you know you just because when the water tanker comes, it's it's not like here that that it, yeah whatever quantity you're paying for that you're gonna get that. Mm. Um, the guy the tanker guy just might might give you just half the water and and just run or just be like oh yep yeah, it's all done uh-huh. sort of thing. And it's just like uh, it's it's just, so it just as a measure like I just climb up I, I, I used to enjoy it <laughs> to, to be honest you know when, when you're a kid and yeah and yeah and uh, and you can you can climb up a truck and just you know open the tank up and see all the water going on I had like a bit of an engineering knack even then mm. so I used to enjoy all of these things but yeah but if you think about it from and uh, from uh, now now when I think about it I'm like 
okay so, so may, maybe we should we shouldn't have to do those those, those things that you know maybe people should be a bit more honest in those transactions mm. but yeah there's a uh, but the but our side of the world is a lot more socially complex in those mm. ways that you know there's a lot you have to do or a lot of checks and balances no matter where you're coming from pakistan india bangladesh zimbabwe it's it's very common in developing countries mm-hmm. that i found out later on when i started interacting there are a lot of the checks and balances you can't really rely on the government or rely on the authorities you just have to do stuff yourself mm-hmm. um so like and uh, that played a big role in 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 me coming up with what a democracy because the point of making these technologies and having these technology this is like the solar still um the the tongue we've named it the tanki and having tanki the way it is is because the aim is not just just to make a good product the aim is to make people uh, make people in charge of their own water purification um the aim is to you know for everybody to be autonomous uh in that way that that you you rely on yourself and you do and bypass because we bypass the authorities or by, or by or not having to wait for the infrastructure to reach you instead yeah, instead we deliver you solutions that will help you uh, have a have a have good clean water um by the time that infrastructure or those authorities reach you if ever because in a lot of in a lot of countries now there are a lot of areas where 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 there has been you know villages or places that have been untouched by any sort of development for the past 50 or 60 odd years so so if we keep on waiting for those infrastructure developments to reach those places i personally think that uh, that we're going to lose uh, millions of more lives um so what we got to do is make make more and more innovative solutions to get get the solutions to them and then teach them how to maintain those and uh what and the biggest part of it is that our products um they can be maintained by pretty much anyone after they spend like 10 15 minutes with us um uh, you don't need a special tech guy or an engineer flying to you like you know in a lot of other solutions um you as a farmer as a carpenter or anyone with a bit of a knack in a uh, to to do this sort of stuff uh you can you can actually end up maintaining it by yourself for like 10 15 years wow wow fantastic wow um i i did have another question it was slightly off track i mean you have a lot of vivid examples from your time in karachi you have a lot mm. of vivid examples from your time in uh that broken hill and the like mm. uh, i i think personally speaking at least what i find is that when you start any new venture business mm. or otherwise mm. motivation is one of those things mm. that really does run out sometimes quite quickly and it mm. requires a lot of sustenance would you say that your experience as a migrant particularly those earlier days climbing the water tanks has sort of been the tinder that continues to light the fire to mm. push forward with water democracy outside of mm. sort of the machinations of the of the business running itself um yeah they play a big role um plus uh, news channels really help new channels that's an interesting source okay yeah um you know whenever you turn on the news uh, as you know you read in my bio it's uh, I'm also a climate change enthusiast yeah um unfortunately um there's no point in taking any names but uh, uh but you know this um but when when I got into and started learning about climate change 
my perception of uh, of a lot of the authorities and their work uh, was different, especially uh, in Australia. Considering this was this is a developed country, when I when when I came here, my I did not expect the same. What I would I didn't set the same bar. What I would set from uh, from leaders of a developing country, right? I I had set a higher bar when I came to Australia for 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 the leaders here and everything like that. Um, but there are issues like climate change and everything where where unfortunately the authorities are just just completely denying it mm-hmm. uh, that you know it's uh, and and uh, and not it's one thing to not take action on something. Um, but it's another to completely just say nope, it's not happening. So when uh, when you see that sort of response, and then 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 you know you've got your political issues in U.S. as well, um, where where they're they're also denying it. Uh, so so when you have that at very high level authorities, um, that actually uh, sort of motivates me. I'd say that that you know. Because uh, because then it makes me think that yeah it's um, it's a tough road, but this road seems to be something that that has to be done, at least for the time being. We gotta come up with solutions that uh, that will not just help mitigate climate change, but but there's a very very strong case of of uh, of adapting to it now. That's my, I'm I'm a believer in both mitigation as well as adaptation because we've. Uh, the numbers are out, and uh, and you know there's um, the the uh, the things are probably gonna get worse from what we are seeing. Um, the response from the authorities isn't helping in uh, in making that that any better, and um, and yeah, our biggest shot at uh, at uh, reducing the impact of those disasters is to now keep now have. A significant effort in in adaptation solutions, um, as well as work on mitigation. Yes, we got to mitigate, but we are at a point where now we got to prepare to adapt. <laughs> Sorry if that's a bus scale. <laughs> no, yeah, that's that is a comprehensive answer to my question. <laughs> yeah. uh, really inspiring work. What you're doing. Looking forward to seeing how the pilot program goes mm-hmm. and all the causes and websites that you mentioned guys will be in the show notes that you can check out at the bottom of the episode. Mm-hmm. So let uh, Viv take it away. One last fun question as always promised. Um, if you had a superpower and you can only choose one superpower mm-hmm. and you can't have the one to have all mm-hmm. the superpowers, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? Can I give a boring answer to that? You can give a, you can give as boring or as interesting one as you want. Um, you look, give your answer. Tell us your story. Uh, um, no, nah, so it's a, as I said, it's a bit of a boring answer, a bit of a cliche, but uh, yes, it's simple as that, man. I'd like to fly. I got late while coming here as well. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's like I live in Sydney. There's so much traffic here. I live in Karachi. There's so much, so much traffic over there. Then I spend thousands of dollars every year to fly, fly home. Right. I can, I can ask for, for like some sort of unique superpower or something like that. Mm. But yeah, if I get, get my flight sorted out, if you can help me fly and stuff at good speeds, 
that's also a condition. Yeah, I want to fly at good speeds, and uh, and you know, then uh, I'll be a, a happy superhero. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought your answer was going to be Aquaman for sure. Yeah, or like Captain Planet. I was, I was going on those vibes. I already, but already know how to swim. I mean, you know. Yeah. 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 I just, I just feel that I need to give you a gift of frequent flyers points, and I've gotten yeah. you halfway. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's welcome, man. Whenever, whenever, yeah, just um, any gifts are welcome always. <laughs> well, there yeah. you go, folks. If you want to donate yeah. any frequent flyers points to yeah. Sayhead, feel free. Please, please feel free. And uh, make sure you like our Water Democracy Facebook page. You'll be getting all of our updates from there. Uh, our new designs are going to be released soon. Um, and please like our Walgett Water Crisis page as well. Um, uh, in that one, I'm working with uh, with a group of indigenous ladies who are very helpful and very passionate about this issue. And uh, and that will help you, you know, stay on board with uh, with what's going on in the water crisis in Australia and the in the Walgett region. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, mm-hmm. guys. Hey team, thanks for tuning into that podcast. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Catalyzer. Catalyzer is a award-winning pre-accelerated program for refugees and migrants who wish to start up their own startup. If you're interested in applying for the Catalyzer program, you can head to the website catalyzer.com.au, find out a bit more about what we do. Thanks so much for tuning in.